dream away. Well, it looks like the guys are getting ready to start the show soon. Say, I need to pour a drink. Oh, Sarah, can you be a doll and make me a Tom Collins? Oh, sure, dear. I just finished the laundry and the roast is in the oven. Boy, I'll tell you, the radio program you listen to is swell. Oh, you bet. Those three sheets fellows are hotter than a juke joint on a Friday night. Now take that tail into the rumpus room and fetch that drink. Oh, yes, dear. Hey, Dad. Can I listen to Three Sheets? Now, Jimmy, I thought I told you Three Sheets to the Mouse is only for grown-ups. It has adult humor, booze, and nudes. So, is that a no? <laughs> well, just don't tell your mother. Oh, fuck yeah! Jimmy! Sorry, Dad. Well, it's time to start the show. Why don't we help by singing our song? Come on, everybody! I know it sounds sorted, but you'll be rewarded when at last I am given my dues. And injustice deliciously squared, be Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 71 of Three Sheets to the Mouse. We're five average guys with a love for all things Disney. And joining me on this week's show are three guys who know that now is the best time of their life. Mikey. Hey, nobody puts baby in the corner. Is that the right movie? I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> Just wait before. Adam. The future is now. Oh. And Tim. Murphy? Is Murphy here? Murphy? Anybody see Murphy? Oh, he's been here. He's been here for two weeks. <laughs> I wish he'd leave already. We're here to talk to you about Disney parks, Disney booze, and a little bit of debauchery in between. So sit back, relax, uh, grab an old-fashioned, and enjoy the adult side of Disney with Three Sheets to the Mouse. You know, I will be that asshole and tell people what to drink, because tonight's episode of... <laughs> Features <laughs> features a uh, a wonderful nod to a classic Walt Disney attraction. Uh, one of the one of the last Walt Disney um, originals, really, and that is the Carousel of Progress. Uh, and so tonight, in honor of in honor of that uh, that wonderful wonderful attraction, I chose a drink that would uh, that would really kind of predate everything almost everything in the actual attraction and that's an old-fashioned that recipe's been around since uh, since somewhere around the uh, uh, 1840s I thought you were gonna end up with mead no no I you know what I've never had mead I just I'm not interested it's uh, good it's really good yeah do, do not get commercially uh, no, prepared no. mead get mm. homemade mead yes. that is that is that is a shit where you just go to your local big box retailer. You get some uh, some bread yeast, three pounds of honey, some oranges, allspice, raisins, cinnamon, a couple one gallon carboys, and that's that's the I've recipe, never, ladies I, and gentlemen. That is the recipe for mead. Well, water. I've just never been really interested in mead. I, I don't know why. I'm surprised because you like wine. 
And if you like wine, you'd like mead. Most of your meads are like really tasty. Really, yeah. I mean, they're they're. I've had mulled wine, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last time I had I mead, had, it's good. We had a barbecue, and I left my glass of mead on the table. It came out, and there was a bee drowning in it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you finish it? No, he was not drowning. He was getting drunk. No, no, he was dead. He was dead. Oh. <laughs> well, now well we when you drink three times your body weight in alcohol, that'll kill you. Uh, no, tonight I made myself a uh, an old fashioned with Rittenhouse rye, uh, bottled and bond, really good, really good, and of course some Luxardo cherries. Ooh. They really are amazing. So good. So Adam, what are you at drinking tonight? Tonight, I have the Goldcliff IPA by Kona Brewing Company. Oh, the pineapple beer. Yes, it's not very pineapple-y, though. That's probably good, though. It's 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 subtle. Yeah. It's very subtle, which is good. I mean, I would want. I expected more pineapple, though. It just tastes like a regular IPA to me. There's Don't. no like true pineapple note that stands out that much. Yeah, but this one, unlike. Unlike Hanalei, which we had both when you guys came over for my birthday, um, this one has a little more alcohol content to it. I think it's like seven something percent, but as I, opposed to the four point nine that Hanalei is. Yeah, Hanalei is a little bit sweeter though. You can yeah, tell that is, there's a little bit of like fruit taste to the Hanalei. This one you don't really have it as much. It's not as potent, but it's still pretty good. I, I like. I, there's not much I don't like from Kona. There was one I didn't care for, but I don't remember which one it was. Tim, is that the lemongrass one? I, I like the lemongrass one, but I like the wily, the wily wheat, the wily. I don't think I like. Yeah. Mikey, what do you got tonight? I am trying to uh, finish off this uh, Canadian whiskey Old- business. Oh, um, Forty Creek. Yep, I'm just going to finish off my Forty Creek tonight because you know I'm. I'm that kind of guy. I'm going to bottle it down. Damn it, Julius Michael, whatever you crazy Canucks are putting in your whiskey. Stop. Just put whiskey in it, please. Is it a good <laughs> Canadian whiskey, though? Because no. Scotch tried a few. Well, th- you know, when, the, the first day when I got it and I had it, I really, really heavily disliked it. The second day, I really didn't like it. But today, I'm on my third pour of it, and usually by your third glass, anything starts tasting better. It all starts tasting the same. So, like right now, I think it's fine. But you know, I, uh, I, I would not go on record as recommending it. Yeah, there's there's a couple, um, there's a couple that aren't terrible. Um, there's one with like a maple leaf for a stopper that's supposed to be pretty decent. I forget what that is. Uh, but no, the, the look. Some people uh, we talked about on the on the quickie, Mikey. Some people have recommended to me Canadian whiskey. I don't believe a word they say. You don't know that it's not for you until you've had it. This is true. And then you have to suffer through the bottle because you're not going to waste it. I will say the Crown Royal Northern Harvest Rye is pretty good. If you like a rye whiskey, it's made with 100% rye, and it's it's one of the few that's made with 100% rye, and it's really good. The Crown Royal Bourbon Mash is actually pretty decent. It's not bourbon, though. It's not bourbon. 
They got in a lot of trouble for that. They did. They did. My bottle doesn't have the. They, slap, they had to the, slap a sticker on yeah, it. Yeah, my bottle doesn't have the sticker, but I think any bottle, anybody's bottle wouldn't have the sticker. They just peel it off. So uh, it's got a bag. That's true. It's like a woman has a has a dress and it's got pocket in it. And like, it's got pockets. Well, you know, my Crown Royal came in a bag, so I got that going for me. Yeah. So you got that going for you. I take my wins where I can get them, guys. Uh, Tim, what are you drinking tonight? You know, when when you party hard on Friday night and your age has the number four in front of it, and, you know, Scott, you'll know what that's like in about 25 years. You, it takes a while <laughs> sometimes for you to want to even look at alcohol again. So I'm just taking it easy tonight with some Trogue's uh, Crimson Pistol. No hard stuff. Tonight. Once again, you're, you're Julius Michaels' hero. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, I beat myself up. Oh, Scott knows. Saturday. Oh, yeah, I beat, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, Friday night was uh, was a little uh, little rough, but it was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, and so now, yeah, Tim's dialing down to 10 instead of 11. Yeah, it was more like an 8. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still 6 point something percent alcohol. So uh, so yeah t- so tonight um, like I said earlier we are we're paying homage to one of the classic Walt Disney attractions the classic uh, Walt rides that he actually worked on and we're going to be talking all about the Carousel of Progress so tonight we're going to go back to school and we're going to get your Disney uh, your doctorate in Disney history in the Carousel of Progress so uh, without further ado uh, where should we begin. At the uh, beginning, the, our, at the at start, the yes, at the start, usually. it's a very good place to start. There, Julie Andrews. Um, so perhaps we start with the World's Fair. I would say let's let's take it back to 1964. Okay, I happen to know a little bit about the World's Fair held in 1964. It was held in Flushing, Queens, New York which was the same location as the World's Fair of 1939. Uh, well, you know what? When you when you build something in a place called Flushing, you better get your uses out of it. You, really, you should. I mean, it's Flushing. Hey, be uh, careful with Flushing. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to upset I, 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 I live yeah. not far from there for a little while. I will say, I... I thoroughly enjoy City Field. I really do. I think it's a wonderful stadium. So the the World's Fair in '64 was actually broken down in two seasons, and you had it uh, from April to October of '64, and then it continued in April of April to October of '65. And uh, the whole theme of this World's Fair was uh, it, it is very wordy. It's peace through understanding, and it was devoted to man on a shrinking globe in an expanding universe which I think is just a fancy way of saying everything's getting smaller because technology is getting larger so why not celebrate one of the largest parts of technology you know and uh, so to to do that they got a hold of uh, 
when I say they, I mean there were four different uh, entities that approached Walt Disney about you know doing a, a couple of attractions at the World's Fair. And he was very eager to create some exhibits uh, for some of the pavilions. He um, used this invitation as kind of a uh, an R&D, a research and development kind of experiment to see how some of the uh, East Coasters would take to his attractions that he was, you know, looking to put in over in Disneyland. And it also gave him a good excuse to create some new and exciting technology for future attractions in uh, in his in his parks um, but not only that Mikey this was basically found money for him basically oh yeah these four company these four these four entities were paying Walt to play oh yeah it, and that's the beauty of it it's it's being you know paid to do what you love and for Walt yeah uh, that's that's you know he, he there's no way to say no to that um, although although I do find it funny the the story behind Small World and how Small World came to be in the World's Fair. Um, so Joan Crawford's on the board of directors for Pepsi-Cola. And uh, they're basically like, okay, we have like 11 months before this World Fair takes off. And all these other companies have been planning for years, like four or five years. And she basically says, hey, we should get in on this. She's like, I got an idea. Let's call Walt. So she calls up Walt, but, you know, she calls up Disney. And Disney, uh, Disney's like... One of the vice presidents of um, uh, of Imaginary Answers the, like gets the call and says, ah, "You know what? We're really strapped. Uh, we're gonna pass on this." Walt finds out and says, "says Fuck, are you doing, man? I'm the one that says no, and by God, we're gonna do it." And so he basically makes his Imagineers take on an extra project because someone said no to Pepsi. Well, uh, like you mentioned, PepsiCo was one of the four entities that approached him, um, alongside with. Uh, Ford, and they had him work on the Magic Skyway. Uh, the state of Illinois, featuring uh, moments with Mr. Lincoln, and what we're talking about right now, General Electric had the Carousel of Progress, um, and it was it was developed for GE to kind of promote the importance of electricity and and what its role was in American society. So, Walt had Imagineer John Hinch. Uh, design the exhibit and John was inspired by an old Broadway show called Our Town which has the lead character kind of narrating the story as, as it's told through you know different generations um, the original theater design for Carousel of Progress was, was circular which is similar to what we have now um, but it was really it was a small venue that's why they had to make it circular back at the uh, 64 World's Fair they wanted to make the most out of their space and they they kind of got got their uh, their money's worth, I guess. They were able to move thirty six hundred people per hour through this one exhibit. Um, now, after uh, guests experienced the Carousel of Progress, as as Disney likes to do, they like to force you through a, an exit of some kind, and you exit, you kind of stroll through uh, what was called Progress City which was basically a, a scale replica of what Walt envisioned the Epcot to actually be, the experimental prototype city of tomorrow. Um, so that was, uh, it was very well received, and it was so uh, popular that, you know, when they were done with it, he made sure that it was packed up and moved out 
to uh, Disneyland at, at the close of the World's Fair. Or a little after. In 1967, the, uh, the World's Fair um, Carousel of Progress is packed up, boxed up, and shipped across the country 3,000 mile away to Disneyland Park. Nearly seven months after Walt's, uh, nearly seven months after Walt's death, um, what they really wanted to do is they really wanted to showcase some of his stuff because Walt's passing was was a national phenomenon. I mean, it was like it was it was like a head of state passing away. It was it, Walt in 1966 was one of the most prominent figures in the world. I mean, he was recognized everywhere. But due to the success of the attractions over at uh, that Disneyland created for the fair, General Electric did want to continue their sponsorship. Um, and over at Disneyland, they wanted to make this a permanent fixture there. So, again, everything was boxed up, shipped across the country, and installed at a brand new created theater, a two-story theater, just like it had at the World's Fair. And uh, it was reopened on July 2nd, 1967. So the, the attraction was located on the ground floor in the same theater system where the seats would move and rotate around the stage and rather than the stage moving. And then each of the two side stages would turn in, in, uh, in time with what, with what needed to be shown at the scene. So essentially there was, uh, there was five main stages and ten side stages that would turn based on what, uh, what was being shown to the audience. Um, all of the sets and performers came right from the fair itself uh, and remained original, uh, just with a few different changes in the 60s. Um, uh, from, the, from the World's Fair, the, a new voice was recorded for the mother, um, and then the Christmas, home, uh, Christmas in the home of the 1960s was slightly updated to have more design, set design and technology, but all the references from uh, General Motors, or I'm sorry, General Electric, were later dropped after the uh, after General Electric uh, stopped sponsoring the ride in just around 1970. So they were supposed to have like a 10-year contract, but they only came year to year and and only had it for a few years uh, at at the start. And then all of the references to General Electric were uh, were were removed, except like some of them um, were still on the appliances, right? Yeah, obviously some of the appliances stayed General Electric because that would have been just a pain to, to change those out. Back then. Mm-hmm. You could do that in a weekend now. But uh, but some of the things th- some of the things in the show talking about General Electric and, and their medallion home campaign, which was basically get our medallion, our General Electric badge on all of your appliances and go buy General Electric. That was that advertisement was taken out. And then uh, the only other change at Disneyland was that the father in the home of the 40s now sat on a bar stool rather than uh, in the kitchen nook bench. So he was, you know, he's one of us. He was drinking along with us. Having a, hopefully an old-fashioned or, you know, in the 40s would have been like a gin drink, like a gin fizz or something. In aviation. In aviation, yeah. Could have been. Probably was. Those are very popular. As was Niagara Falls. Yeah, knowing John was probably a martini. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can see martini. that. Bill cocktail. I can see that too. Back and he's yeah. Martini, straight up, three olives. I can see that. Um, but after the show uh, in Disneyland, the guests would board a speed ramp, and that would take them to the second level of the building, 
And on that upper level, you'd have a four-minute post-show narrated by the mother and father uh, with, you know, Rover um, having a few barks and growls um, kind of in there to interrupt Sarah while Sarah's interrupting. And uh, this would coincide with some guests that would be able to look at a giant model of Progress City. Now, we have this same model. We have a portion of this model in, uh, in uh, Magic Kingdom today. It's about one quarter of it. So as you ride by on the uh, Tomorrowland uh, Transit Authority, take a look and, and imagine that thing four times that size. And that's what people would be able to see as they, as they walk through this, uh, this exhibit. And this was uh, Walt's original concept for the, ex the experimental prototype community of tomorrow. This model was uh, Progress City, and, that's, and Progress City was what Walt had for his original concept of the experimental prototype community of tomorrow, or as we all know, Epcot. Um, a couple of things about the, the, you know, the Walt connection and the Disneyland version. Um, if you go back and watch, uh, there's a wonderful film that you can find on YouTube called uh, Walt or Disneyland at the World's Fair, and it kind of shows the building of the Carousel of Progress and all of the other things that they were doing at uh, at the World's Fair. And to, to watch these Imagineers, to watch Mary Blair interact with Walt, um, to watch uh, Roger Brogy, uh, and all of these amazing, amazing Imagineers do what they do is really cool. And uh, it's really sad to see that we don't have, we don't have attractions like this really anymore with all of the practical effects. Uh, a lot of things are screen-based today. Well, I mean, we don't and have World's Fairs anymore either, though. We don't, yeah, really we don't. think about it. When was the last World's Fair? It's got to be in, like, the 80s or something. I think it was in the 80s, the early 80s. It was very early 80s, maybe even late 70s. I'm not sure. Montre Montreal in 72 was the last, like, big one. And I want to say maybe, like, New York had a 74, but there there just hasn't really been World's Fairs. 76 was every four years. Wasn't there one in Tennessee that, uh, that Bart and the Simpsons went to? Oh, wait a second. According to this, there has been World Fairs. They just haven't been here. So, no, they haven't happened. Hmm. They've been all over the place, just not here. The last one looks like was in, is scheduled in Kazakhstan? Okay, yeah, so, so no <laughs> one's going to the World's Fair. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's Shanghai. Beijing is next, but thanks, China. So, <laughs> thanks, China. Yeah, um, you know, it, it, Disneyland goes to the World Fair is just a wonderful, uh, wonderful video that shows all of uh, what was going on, and watch them as they make, watch them as they make um, the World's Fair and, and or uh, the Carousel of Progress, and you see uh, how they programmed John, the father, to 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 make his movements, and someone was actually programming them with his own movements. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and they actually created the system that would automatically loop and rewind the audio every time the, the theater changed. It was actually pretty yeah. cool to see. Because it was all done by tape reels back then. Yeah, so, you, you take it for granted now because you can just hit stop and back on an MP3 player and you could go back to the very beginning. But back then, yeah, like Tim said, it's it was uh, some type of cassette or reel-to-reel -reel for that audio. So having yeah. a system to mm -hmm. automatically do it uh, that's that's impressive when you think about it. Like yeah, that's that. pretty much. What, I didn't even what, think cassettes were around back then. I no, think it would it have real to real. be real to real. Yeah, it was real to real. Yeah, 
the thing was the thing was taller than Walt was, and the, the reels were about the size of a hubcap. Yeah, like a hubcap or a tire. They were pretty big. Yeah. And that's what he was known for. I mean, if the technology didn't exist for what he wanted to make, he created it. He made it. He he solely created, or you know, WDI created the audio animatronic. Necessity is the mother of invention. Mm-hmm. And Walt was brilliant at that, and that's and that's you know, unfortunately, the ingenuity that we've kind of lost. Miss, you know, we've lost for 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 the most part. I mean, with the exception of sometimes a ride like Soren, where you go at home and break out your erector set and yeah. create a ride vehicle. So, uh, in 1974, Disneyland closes the the uh, World's Fair version of the Carousel of Progress uh, because they're making way for America Sings and the Bicentennial, which Disneyland celebrated immensely, and maybe we'll have to save that for another show coming up. But... Uh, the Bicentennial closes the World's, or the World's Fair Carousel of Progress in Disneyland, and uh, it gets moved uh, a third time. Yes. Down to Florida, where it currently resides. Um, it was actually opened with the first part of Fantasyland. Uh, I'm sorry, Tomorrowland, and that was back in 19, January 15, 1975, and it was one of the only attractions in the area, the other attraction being Space Mountain. Um, General Electric actually re-signed a contract for 10 years to sponsor the Carousel of Progress at Disney World. So, there were, however, extensive changes made. There was no second story. It was only the one-story carousel that we see today. Um, And this is a a whole new theater for it as well. The loft was disappeared. They took it down, and that's where the people mover now, the track that goes through. Um, It also got some updated with a color scheme with blue and white stripes that grew larger and smaller, sort of like, if you think like how it, when something turns, you can actually see the lines moving back and forth. We don't have that anymore. The color scheme has changed multiple times since then as well. Also, the theater now went counterclockwise. Don't know why they made this change. Couldn't tell you. Couldn't find any other information with it, but it did use the other two in the World's Fair and in Disneyland went clockwise. I, I just don't get why change the system. Yeah, I don't know. It's that's not like, like it's Australia and the toilets. But, see, that's what I thought. Like, when I honestly started thinking about it, I'm like, no, but they didn't cross the equator, so that doesn't make sense. I mean, it's only Florida. It to can us, be guys. considered a different. Yeah, but Florida can be considered a different country sometimes. I mean, where else do you have people eating each other's faces? So. I am proud to say that I've never actually been to Florida. Just I have. Disney. <laughs> I have. I have family down there, so. You know, love of Florida. Oh, that's not true. I mean, I went to a bar like outside of Orlando in like Davenport, and I watched two Irish guys fight. You can do that in Jersey. You haven't been <laughs> to Florida until you've been to Florabama. So I'm saying. Mm. <laughs> I Baghdad, Florida. And I would pass on that. All right. Some other things that have changed. They used to have a giant silver screens. With the G logo, and they lit up in various colors and patterns, and it was almost like a kaleidoscope effect. That actually went away, and now you just had the GE logo in the center in both the load and unload theaters with different color lights shining on them. Sort of like what we kind of have right now. Um, the biggest scandal, though, when they moved it, was they changed the song. GE actually went to the Sherman Brothers and asked them because they 
did not want their customers to wait for a great, big, beautiful tomorrow to buy their products. GE wanted them to buy the appliances now, so the best time of your life, which is also referred to as Now is the Time, was created. Though the song was still very peppy and popular, and it's a on, still on a lot of the soundtracks that you can find. Yeah, I mean, if you're passing through the, uh, t- the People Mover, you can still hear it from time to time. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, Sherman still felt that Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow was still a benefit. Well, that's more... That, it keeps better in with the uh, the theme of the World's Fair and the peace through understanding. I mean, they both I mean, I, work, though. They yeah. both work. I mean, I, I don't know which one I like better. To, to be really honest with you, I, I couldn't really pin one over the other. I, I give... I only give a slight nod to Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow just because the message that it sends. See, but I grew up with Now is the Time. Yeah, you yeah, did. So did you did. So I never, it's I never a saw it with, different with that. Thing for me. Um, you also got a new cast of voices and performers that were showcased from the, in the 1975 version include the actor Andrew Duggan as father. Um, first, three acts had some cosmetic and small set design changes and the final finale was changed to New Year's Eve in the home of the 1970s. And the dog, which will constantly change shape, breed, and color throughout every iteration, and sometimes just in different show scenes. Um, in 1981, the finale was updated to showcase New Year's Eve in the home of the 1980s, and a new script was ri- written for the scene change. But the rest of the show remained the same, and the attraction closed briefly so that the changes could be changed, could be made. So there were there were two different um, end scenes for the for the uh, uh, the Disney World version, and both of them took place in during New Year's Eve rather than well Christmas time, which, right? Which which what everybody knows and loves today. The first one was in the seventies when it when it first moved in there. Uh, it was set in the seventies, and then um, as they get closer to midnight, there's kind of a fun. Uh, a fun time where they basically say, okay, well, you know, we're getting ready to celebrate uh, New Year's, but it's New Year's at Disney World. And there's an, a TV announcer, a news broadcaster that's atop the Contemporary Resort, and that was what was shown on the on the TV. It's like there was an actual, like, TV screen that showed uh, a New Year's celebration going on, like a Dick's Clark countdown. It's pretty cool. I, I just don't honestly remember. I remember a bit of the TV. Well, it only lasted until like 1979 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and, and like once it turned to the 80s, then they did New Year's in the 80s. So basically, what they were doing was they were trying to keep up with the generation that was there and saying, "Okay, it's New Year's Eve, and we're looking forward to the future." I like I like this idea for now because if you think about it, you can't say, "Okay, this is what the future is going to be like," because that's going to be too outdated. I- don't need what's her name Mariah Carey screwing up the lyrics to her own song on the TV <laughs> to remind me what happens you know I, I I don't there's no way to keep up with it and I think that's one of the downfalls for this attraction is that it after a while it doesn't make sense yeah. like yeah and we'll get to that I'm sure later on but it just it doesn't fit well I, I think what I'm what I'm trying to say is that the um the way that the final scene was presented in the now is the now is the time 
uh, version of Carousel of Progress was, rather than look forward to the future, the great big beautiful tomorrow, let's show you what's happening right now and say, hey, guess what? Here's what's happening now, but we're still looking forward to what's going to, going to happen in the future. Yeah, but the second that you build something like that, it's already outdated. I know. It's so expensive it's to change it to update it. Yeah, there, there's no way to keep keep up with it. Unless they go yeah. so far in advance and just make it future. And then you could do a retro kind of feel, but again, well, I'm sure we'll get to what we, how we would change it later. So on March 10th, 1985, General Electric's contract expired and they decided not to renew. Um, the attraction shortly closed after that and all of the, or most of the General Electric's, I should say, references that could be removed from the transactions were removed. The GE logo was replaced with a logo that showed a blueprint of the six carousel theaters surrounding the six fixed stages on the signs outside the attraction. And the silver GE curtain was kept, but a round side with the blueprint logo and the name Carousel of Progress just hid the GE logo. So the GE logos still exist on several of the household's appliances throughout the attraction, like the refrigerator. And it actually features, one of the refrigerators actually features the word General Electric on it. This is one of the remaining logos that can still be seen even today. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I think General Electric's on the handle because, you know, you used to have to, like, pull the handle to open up the refrigerator. Back in the day. Yeah. I mean, my I, grandpa- I think my grandparents had one of those fridges. There was another one. I can't remember exactly where it was though. I but, uh, the vacuum, the vacuum yes, cleaner that's in the what 40s it is. had a had a logo too. Um, so with 1993's closure uh, comes some rebirth and some new things. And the biggest rebirth was we get back to the great big beautiful tomorrow, and we regain the Sherman Brothers original theme song. Um, and so we're going to go through the cast and or go through the we're going to go through the version that is there today, which has been there since 1994. Um, throughout all of the years, the cast has changed. So rather than go through each one of them, which would take a, an IMDb list of who's who, because there's really some impressive names in the cast uh, from from previous uh, uh, from previous things like uh, Sharon Douglas and uh, Peggy Stewart and. Um, Rory Gwynney but the cast that we know and love today uh, John the Father and it's a voice that I'm sure everybody knows nobody really knows what he looks like knows his name but everybody knows that voice and that's Gene Shepard and he is famous from uh, November 23rd until you know December 25th every year because he voices uh, the Christmas story you know, you'll shoot your eye out. Oh, fuck. He plays an adult Ralphie. Yeah. yeah. Gene Shepard is uh, the voice of John the Father. Uh, he is most known for uh, A Christmas Story, and that is the 1983 classic that everybody watches for 24 hours on December 24th to December 25th. We're on T- TBS, right? I think TBS. TBS. Oh, it's not TNN. No. It's a no. whole different... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> No, As the a- Nashville <laughs> Network no longer exists. <laughs> it hasn't existed um, for what, fifteen years now? Oh, but yeah, but like that? I- a long time back back before it became Spike TV. <laughs> Even Spike TV doesn't exist anymore. No, it doesn't. No. What is it now? I have no idea. 
Maybe it does. It, it, what, no, didn't Spike TV turn to... Um, Is that FX? With tr- true TV? And now it's just True TV? Oh, I have no idea, man. Yeah, True TV used to be where you went to watch nothing but, like, you know... Which one's the Paramount channel now? Because one of them changed to that. Maybe that was Spike? Oh, no, that is Spike, yeah. Oh, yeah, Paramount Network is Spike. Yeah. Yeah. Came with that? Like, just literally... Had a boy! (laughs) (laughs) Way to go, dude. Uh, No, that's... uh, Yeah, so it's now the Paramount Network. Which probably shows a lot of uh, Paramount uh, movies and TV. Viacom stuff. CBS. Um... But one of the, you know some of the other amazing uh, cast that we get, B.J. Ward, uh, she plays she plays the mother. She was very very well known for uh, G.I. Joe. Um, she does a couple of other things around uh, Disney parks, Scooby Doo, Voltron. Uh, she's she's been uh, she's been in quite a few things. She's probably Is she in the new wo- Voltron or the old Voltron. No, the old '80s Voltron. Okay. She's probably most well known for being a woman that goes by the name BJ. <laughs> Not well, Barbara yeah, Dreams is... from Reba. No. Yeah. No. She is. She is. She was the creator and star <laughs> well, of uh, uh, stand-up pop. Betty, Betty Jean. Betty Jean. No, wait. Wrong. No, one. it's Billie Jean. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, she's she's got a uh, she's got a long resume. Um, Debbie Derryberry. That's the worst what? last name ever. Yes. <laughs> Patricia, the daughter, is played by Debbie Derryberry. Probably the worst last name you can think of. Sir. You know, and um, she probably chose that as her, like, oh, her theater absolutely. name. Absolutely. But she is most famous for the title role of Jimmy Neutron as Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. She was, uh, yeah, so she was... There are too many Dingleberry jokes that are flying through my head <laughs> right now that I can't just... Yeah. Yeah, she's she's the title character for um, for Jimmy Neutron, and uh, I'm ready to I'm ready to blow your minds, guys, because one of her most, I guess probably not so well known, but one of her one of her voice acting roles is the alien from Toy Story. Oh, that's Ooh, cool. the claw. Why couldn't That's they Debbie just like, have someone from the crew do that and just digitally adjust their voice? No, to make it no, they pitch? literally hired a voice actor for the Claw people. She's got a damn good uh, manager. That's all I'm yes, gonna say. Because <laughs> they well, could. I mean, had you look at anybody. But take Vin Diesel as Groot. <clears throat> mm-hmm. It's the same kind of thing. He's you never know that was Vin Diesel. Three generations of Groot. Yes. He's Groot through the years. It's fucking Carousel of Groot. <laughs> <laughs> young James, uh, young Jimmy, or, you know, as, as he gets called uh, by uh, by John, um, he was uh, he was played by Peter Nelson. Um, you know him from V and Die Hard 2 and Sharktopus. What? Before... Before Sharknado, Sci-Fi put out the Sharktopus, which was a shark head with eight legs. Yes, yeah, they did Bad with Ralph Garman. <laughs> did I just... Yeah, I was the only one who took that in a different direction. Anyway. <laughs> I'm still wanting to go back to the fact that he... What else was he on besides Sharktopus that you mentioned? V. He was most famous for V, which was a miniseries in the, midi, in the mid-80s. But, uh, but most notably... Uh, the grandfather from uh, from the final scene in oh, wow. actually a couple of scenes in 
the uh, in the updated Carousel of Progress was played by Rex Allen, who actually voiced John in the original 1964 Carousel of Progress. So it it all comes very full circle there. I'm not sure if that's the most notable voice. Well, no, because there is one more. No. Well, there's yeah, there's there's actually a couple more. So Mel Blanc. Um, now, if you don't know who Mel Blanc is, um, you've never quietly seen put Friends. Put down your headset and uh, and proceed to to your nearest computer and Google Mel Blanc, and then you're just going to be like, and then you're going to take your hand and you're going to make a big palm and you're going to just put it right in your forehead. Well, you see, the only reason why I can't say that is because they don't show those cartoons anymore. Though they don't, violent. they really don't. So I mean, unless you like being raised with like really good parents. They probably won't know well, who he people is. People our age should know who he is. Yeah, yes. but that's where our general audience is. True. I don't, I don't think, think we Trent- have any like ten-year-olds listening to well, us. Well, do you today. think Trenton <laughs> would know who he is? Oh, because like, I don't think my sister would know who he is. Let's let's put up a poll. Would Trenton know who Mel Blanc is? When we finish this episode, we will. I'm just saying when I'm thinking about like. You know what they grew up? They grew up with like Care Bears and all that other stuff. They really didn't grow up with the cartoons that we did. So to educate Trent and maybe a few other people, <coughs> millennials, Mel Blanc is probably the most famous, famous voice actor of all time. Bugs Bunny. I'm just gonna list them out, and and then you'll be like, oh, okay. Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Porky Tweety Bird, Sylvester, Yosemite, Foghorn Langhorn, Marvin the Martian, Pepe Le Pew, Speedy Gonzalez, Wiley Coyote, Yes Roadrunner, uh, Tasmanian Devil, Barney Rubble, Mr. Spacely, Woody Woodpecker, um, many, many more. Jack, uh, he was he was on Jack Benny, Avon Costello, Burns and Allen. I mean, this guy is his his nickname is literally the Man of a Thousand Voices. I mean, he absolutely is the uh, the golden age of voice acting in Hollywood. Um, so, you know, un- unfortunately, uh, he died very, very, very soon. Well, not very soon. I mean, he was 77, but he died in, in 1989. <laughs> oh, he died very young. <laughs> Holy shit. How long do you plan on living, Scott? A uh, thousand <laughs> I'm going to be a sentient, literally a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, he, he Mel was Blanc taken is from us too early. Oh, yes, yeah, too soon. He was. He was. Uh, essentially, he he died of emphysema, and I mean, because look, he everybody at the time smoked billions of cigarettes a, a day. Billions of cigarettes. Damn. A day. Yeah. Just think about the concept of how many. Cigarettes you would have to smoke a second to smoke a billion cigarettes a day. When when you're a lawyer, you aim for the fences, Adam. (laughs) Which is funny, Adam, because that's pretty much what was portrayed in Looney Tunes when they would like take a whole pack and like stuff it in someone's mouth and light it all up. Tom and Jerry did it too. Hanna Barbera. Yeah, they all did it. I want to say. Yeah. Um, But no, he was Mel Blanc is literally the most prolific voice actor in the history of the industry. Um, and he voiced Uncle Orville, uh, which is one of the characters that you see throughout the throughout the Carousel of Progress, because you know he's always just wants a little bit more privacy. Well, which is funny because in the earlier iterations he was cousin Orville. He was. 
And then all of a sudden he became uncle. Oh, that's kind of creepy. Well, they did some genealogy. Well, and, it, it, and it's the South. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we don't know where. Well, we no, he wasn't Uncle lived. Daddy. True. Uncle Judy, is that what you just said? No, well, Uncle, did Uncle he Daddy. start out at? I, I think he Uncle started Judy. at. <laughs> That's a totally different show. Um, they, Called um, Jerry Springer. Does he start out as cousin and then change to uncle? Yes, yes. starts out as co- cousin, changes to. But uncle. it makes sense because you know. As he got older and their family grew, he went from cousin to uncle. Mm-hmm. Okay, I understand now. The yeah, so in 1994, he becomes Uncle Orville, um, and that's where we kind of pick up today's show. So uh, let's 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 go ahead and talk about the the actual show itself. The we'll start um, at the opening scene where uh, John comes on and introduces us to what the Carousel of Progress is. And this is a nice little segment because it kind of relates those that don't know that Walt's an actual person. Welcome to Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress. Oh, you're in for a real treat. The Carousel of Progress was Walt's own idea from beginning to end. He loved it. He introduced the show at the World's Fair in New York City in 1964, and it was an immediate smash hit. But as as you as you settle into the theater, you see the giant um, you see a, a, a screen in front of you with the Carousel of Progress logo, and John or, or Gene Shepard, John is telling you about the Carousel of Progress and about the history of what Walt wanted and what Walt's vision of the American family and how much he loved America. It's it's a really great scene because um, it it allows those. Who don't realize Walt is a person like I I want to keep I hate to I, I don't want to be sentimental and I don't want to be braggadocious and I don't want to be condescending but I want to keep Walt's memory alive and let people know that Walt is an actual person rather than just a company Walt Disney was a person so every time I try to tell Ethan that Walt was a person and I show him who Walt was and I make him watch videos of Walt uh, you know, on the Disneyland TV series. And I think that's what this does. This shows that Walt wasn't just a company because all too often people are going to think of him as Colonel Sanders. And while Colonel Sanders was a real person, Colonel Sanders now, uh, you know, depending on what day you get, Norm MacDonald or Reba McIntyre. <laughs> or uh, the, the, the tan colonel, the crispy colonel. Yeah. Yes, the creepy colonel. That's yeah. what I call him. <laughs> yeah. As uh, John gets finished talking about Walt Disney and the Carousel of the Progress, we enter to our, our re-themed or, you know, bring back the revival of It's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow and, the, sh- and the, the stage or you, your seats actually shift to the next scene and that's the 1900s or just about the turn of the century. Yeah, well, he says just about the turn of the century, but it is... Um believed to be around 1904 because it makes references to the upcoming World's Fair in St. Louis, which was held in 1904. And as the scene opens up, you hear Robin's chirping in the background as the music fades. John is sitting on a wooden rocking chair, and to his feet is the family dog, Rover. And this is when John claims it's right around the turn of the century, and it's hinted that it's around Valentine's Day. He then says things couldn't get any better than they are today. And then he starts to list 
the new inventions and technological achievements of the day, which includes buildings being up to 20 stories tall, <laughs> moving pictures, which we now know as movies, there are 8,000 automobiles in the United States, and they have things such as gas lamps, telephones, cast iron stoves, ice boxes, which have, um, it holds 50 pounds of ice, and milk doesn't spoil quite as quickly as it used to. And Just the thought of that, the, the thought of an actual imagine, ice box. Could you imagine, and you had to have somebody deliver you ice every day. Which is which is why those guys had those ice hooks, and they would bring the ice yeah. in, put it in your refrigerator, and then that fan would pump the cool air from the ice into your refrigerator. It's amazing. And then Rover keeps the drip pan from overflowing. That's that's right. We're so spoiled with what we have now. I know. And, and the stove. <laughs> yeah, we don't have Kristoff. Yeah. The stove <laughs> um, keeps five buckets of water warm on just three buckets of coal. Oh man, having to change. The, uh, first of all, I remember when our hot water heater went out and actually had to replace the hot water heater, and that was a pain in the ass. Can you imagine having to change coal like three or four times a day? Uh, I couldn't. I mean, we've we've lived in this house for 11 years, and we're on our third hot water heater because the water here just sucks. And every time I change yeah. it, it's, it's just a pain in the ass. But I couldn't imagine every day having to put ice in your ice box, coal in your stove. Uh, yeah, no so thank hard. you. And as, as he lists each technology in the kitchen a spotlight lights up and they start working and then he, he um, talks about how there's a, a water pump now in the kitchen they used to go have to go outside to pump water and they have to keep a, a bucket of water on hand to prime it and then after he's done showing off all the new technology he calls to his wife Sarah who is ironing to the room on his left which is one of those little turntables inside the main turntable and they, they start discussing that Thomas Edison is working on an idea for snap-on electric lights. Say, Mother, I was reading about a fellow named Tom Edison who's working on an idea for snap-on electric lights. Electric lights? No more kerosene. No more gas. And she also <laughs> remarks that she now has a new wash day marvel and laundry takes only five hours instead of two days. So now she has Wait, who, more. Who are we can? It takes me like two days to do laundry now. Yeah, so I just don't want to put it away. <laughs> John explains that Sarah now has time for other things, and she cuts him off. Says, "Yeah, like canning and polishing the stove." Sarah then excuses herself, commenting that she needs to get the laundry off the line before it starts raining. And the rover barks, and John says, "It's not going to rain. My lumbago is not acting up." which is what they used to call sciatica back then. And then the sky opens up and it starts raining. When it begins to rain, you see the room on the right-hand side lights up and this family's son, James, starts talking and he's playing with his father's stereoscope without permission. And he comments um, that little Egypt is dancing the hoochie-coochie. So... Which is For quiet. all of our listeners that weren't born in the 1900s, which a stereoscope is basically... <laughs> to be all of us. <laughs> God. A stereoscope is basically like a, an Oculus VR way back in the oh. day. Wait, now... Yeah, you're anyway, gonna yeah, didn't have no. wires. <laughs> no wires. Tesla Nor did it move. <laughs> no. 
it was pretty much video just games some, on it. Well, it was, it was like the primitive three viewmaster. It was a yeah, it was a viewmaster. primitive viewmaster is the yeah. best way for those who know what that Man, is. If somebody was gonna send you nudes, that's what you wanted to send. That's yeah, that was the that was the first scope. What I find funny about this is that John gets all excited when he starts talking about a little Egypt, and then he realizes his son's watching it and tells him to put it away. <laughs> yeah. his catches it. So he put my porn away. Oh, hold on, son. You're not yet hit puberty. So then he says, he comments that she's going to be the star of the upcoming World's Fair, which that's when we hear the, the hint that it's around 1904, um, and it's Valentine's Day. We go back to the left-hand room. It spins around, and there's a new scene. And it's Grandma sleeping with a phonograph playing. He says, we have one of those new talking machines. And it's playing, there's a great big beautiful tomorrow. You hear a parrot say, oh, she keeps that thing running all day long. It's driving him nuts. And then we switch back to the room on the right. And... This is really creepy because his daughter Patricia is getting ready to go to a Valentine's Day dance and she's in, I guess, what would be considered undergarments for that time period. It's a corset and long underwear. And she's embarrassed and yells at her dad for barging in and he says, oh, it's okay, they're friends. And that somehow okay. just makes it okay. I mean, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna allow everybody to see you in your undergarments. But again, today creepy. this would be considered overdressed. Yeah. He then says that she's getting ready to go to a Valentine's Day dance on one of those horseless trolleys. And then tells her to be home by nine. Before he says that he's going to go down to downtown with some friends to have a root beer. Which is similar to Sarsaparilla, but with just a new name. It's not your dad's root beer. What would. Yeah. 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 He's going down to have a root beer or a sarsaparilla. Yeah. He's going out at 9 o'clock at night. He ain't having no root beer. The song starts playing and the carousel starts spinning and we move on to the next scene, which is the Roaring Twenties. Yes, and this is the scene where we find all the wires. He's still, John is still sitting in the kitchen here. Wires are everywhere throughout the whole room. And instead of sitting on a rocking chair, now it's... He's sitting on a smaller kitchen chair, but he's sitting with it backwards. So he's getting cooler, John. Now. Yeah, it's AC Slater, John. There you go. <laughs> and the dog is still lying on the floor, but the dog has mysteriously changed colors. I don't know if they were dying dogs back then. Well, it's Maybe. been it's been twenty years. That dog years, can't last. So, yeah. Dogs die True, all the time. But 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 he doesn't look old. But John hasn't aged enough for it to be twenty years. Maybe he's well, a... Have you ever kind of noticed that? Yeah. Well, I mean, throughout the whole <laughs> ride, the ride takes place in over about 80 years, and John is still alive, and Grandma's still alive. I mean... <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's just... Uh, there's a little... Those freaking kids never moved out. <laughs> Poor John. Oh, that's... No, uh, Mikey, that's real life. I know. Yeah, kids... Well, no, kids move out, and then they come back. They come back. That's how I understood <laughs> it. Um... When he stops singing the song, he tells guys that a lot of things have changed in the last 20 years. So we have Charles Lindenberg, who's about to fly over the Atlantic Ocean by himself, that he will never make, according to John. Sports stadiums are being built all over the United States, and Babe Ruth is currently the country's best baseball player. Advertisements are out for the jazz singer, in which Al Josen will actually talk and even sing on, 
on a movie. Electric starters are now in cars, eliminating the need to crank them, and people can travel by train from New York to California in three days. And I don't think that time has that changed if you're changed. traveling by train. <laughs> I don't. Th- I think that still takes just as long. It may take just as long, but I've always wanted to travel across country by train. I no. Nope. I like the I I know I know I know I know. I like the romanticism. I like the about idea it. and the yes. romanticism of this. Yeah, but I think you like the romanticism of of being like a hobo, perhaps, and having your own <laughs> cart to yourself, you know. And you got no, your no, I like, hanging off. Well, a well, stick. I mean, but but even think about it this way: What's your average vacation? A week. A week. All right. So it's going to take you three days to get to California, and three Hang days back. Day. Three days back. Three See, days I back. Do like a coastal trip. What do you mean? I want. I want to do, do. the Pacific Coast train from LA up to Washington. Have you met me? I know. That's why I'll never do it. <laughs> There's no way. I'd lose my shit on a train for that long. Tim can't go camping. He can't. No, I go- love camping. <laughs> no, you love glamping. No, I like camping. I've actually no, we, gone camping. We, we, we can't do camping because of the, the dogs, because it's just, yeah. just yeah. they don't get along, so it's... Don't get... I love... I've I've tent camped a bunch of times in a sleeping bag. I have no problem camping. Well, we have a just, tent in, in the closet back here. I, I read, so uh, like I can entertain myself, but it's just... Camping, I have my own little space where I can go off and be by myself. Yeah, I can't, I can't go camping. You could do that um, in That too. doesn't surprise me. Well, I mean, I mean, I could. I've I've slept under the stars. I've slept outside in a sleeping bag while everybody else got to sleep in the RV in uh, Yosemite. In, in yeah, Yosemite. Um, see, one thing I haven't wasn't able to do because the la- the few times I went camping, I think every night it rained. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I've slept in a sleeping bag just outside in the open at Rockaway Beach. So I mean, oh, that's got to be awesome. Well, With the shore. Well, back in the early '90s, it wasn't because. You know, somebody had to yeah. stay awake for safety reasons. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, I can't go camping for, um, uh, you know, True Beverly Hills upstairs. <laughs> I would love to go camping, and yeah. it, it's been years. No, I, I, I do like this idea of traveling by train, uh, which was probably really cool in the 20s. It was probably much cooler than it is today, because if anyone's well, was, rode in Hamtrak, you're scared for your life. It was pretty much your only, your only option back then. Yeah. Alright, so we have Thomas Edison has brought electricity to the home. And at this point, all the machines turn on by themselves, including a refrigerator, the toaster oven, and other cookware turn on, causing a whole bunch of chaos and noise. So John has a poltergeist. Yeah, John has a poltergeist. No, John is a wizard. He's a warlock. He's a wizard, Harry. He's a warlock. Why is he a warlock? Yeah, Harry's a wizard. Yeah, because, because John can do... Some uh, some evil things. Like he has his entire family living under his spell and not letting them age. But he's not aging either. Exactly. He has Uncle Orville banished to like his one little room for the entire. So he. Century. Yeah, but if he was truly a warlock, he would have had Uncle banished. Uncle. Wow, I lost this Orville. name for a second. Orville. Uncle Orville banished out of the house. Yeah. He would have turned him into a newt. Or a frog. I don't know, man. Making someone stuck on the toilet for a hundred years sounds pretty devious. Well, John warns and yells at the appliances that they're going to blow a fuse, and eventually they do. Mm. Of course, that shuts out the whole power in the house, but it blows the whole town out. 
Oh, he blows the neighborhood. John blew the whole neighborhood again. Fucking whore. And it it it, it, it happens pretty often because you actually hear a neighbor yell, "They did it again." Yeah. <laughs> Don, and again, this is why he's not a warlock because he has to actually tell Jimmy to go put a new fuse in, and you hear Jimmy complaining that. Every time he has guests over, they always blow a fuse, and he's the always the one who has to go and put it back in. Well, you know, that's why you have kids, for uh, free labor. Well, you also have to... This is also back in the time where you couldn't just flip a switch and the fuse came on. You actually actually had a screw the fuse, in the fuse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the funniest part for that scene is when you hear the, the neighbor in the background telling her husband, Go give that neighbor of ours a what for? <laughs> but they don't because he's a warlock. That's yeah, right. He would never right. dare. Hen- Henry would never dare go up against John. And when the power restores, we actually get back to Mother, who's sitting on the front porch. She's currently outside, and she's sewing a George Washington costume for John to wear. This is around the Fourth of July celebration, and Sarah's Lady Club is in charge of it. The whole family were performing in the presentation with John and Sarah going as George and Martha Washington. She's got us all roped into performing in their program. And I've decided we're going as George and Martha Washington, dear. Oh, the father of our country. (laughs) That's a role that really fits me. And Sarah interrupts him to say how happy she is that they put electric lights on the porch so she can sit outside because it's cooler outside than in the house to sew. Heard that. I can, I, look, after the week I've had in my office, I can totally believe that. Nah. It was 90 degrees in my office, it was cooler outside. You see, but I can just picture, like, sewing's a pain in the ass. It is. And then you're putting an electric light with bugs. That can't be easy to do. No, probably not. Maybe bugs back in the 20s weren't as bad as bugs today. Maybe. Hmm. It's possible. Um, John then tries to make another joke about going to the next 4th of July as Benedict Arnold when Sarah interrupts. I I don't don't ever get this joke. I don't get this joke. Well, I mean, I know a little bit of the history of Benedict Arnold. He was a traitor. He was a traitor. A raging alcoholic? Yes, but he was also a traitor. He He was was a a British sympathizer. That wanted to, him and Charles Lee wanted to basically turn over Washington spies to remain British. I, I don't get this joke. So John, I, I, the John only thing coat? I can think of is the whole Eggs Benedict, which was actually named after him because he was such a lush, mm-hmm. and that's what allegedly cured his hangovers. That was the only kind of connection that I kind of thought with it, but I don't know if that even makes that much sense. Well, they sense. don't make any reference to eggs in the show, so I don't know. No, I, I just I, well, I just don't get the joke. But I think it was a thing back then, because it's not the only time I've heard, oh, you're an old, you're a Benedict, you're Benedict Arnold. Arnold. Yeah, that's usually a traitor. Yeah, so I, I don't well, know. maybe because he didn't want to go? Oh, maybe that's it. Oh, that okay, alright. He's going to be there a traitor next there year because he didn't want to go. He's gonna be a traitor and get really drunk. Yeah, he wants. To, yeah, he wants He's to stay home and get, uh, get drunk <laughs> on, on sarsaparilla. <laughs> sarsaparilla. So Sarah interrupts and yet again and say how excited she is about her fireworks show. And as she's talking, Rover begins barking, and John tells him not to interrupt while Sarah's interrupting. <laughs> great, great quote there. Yes, and if anybody has ever said that in their house with an actual wife. Um, be divorced. I'd like to see how that turned out for you. Uh, see, oh. see, for us, it's, um, it's, 
Ethan is the one that's interrupting Andrea interrupting. It's Adam, so it, it have you said in Ethan stopped uh, have you said Ethan stopped interrupting while your mother's interrupting? No, because I'm afraid of him. <laughs> <laughs> well he is that's bigger right. than you, so <laughs> from my perspective, it, it turns out the same way as it does for Rover. You end up in the doghouse. Yeah. Much. Yeah. Oh, you're so rude. <laughs> Sarah then turns around and tells John that Jimmy has volunteered to pick the music for the celebration. Jimmy appears with his grandfather in one of the rooms on the left, dressed in a colonial outfit and standing next to a radio, which is playing patriotic music. John taps his feet to the music and tells Jimmy that it's a nice tune and then tells us that they can now get news and entertainment on the radio from all over the country even Pittsburgh and I still don't understand that comment either. Why is Pittsburgh a thing? Um, and, and, and you know maybe I guess it's because this is supposed to be like middle America so it's supposed to be like the Midwest of the country and a um, like a station like KMOX, uh, the St. Louis radio station, AM Radio, 1120, they ranged all the way from like Denver to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So they, they spanned a huge, huge area of the country. So maybe it was that, you know, radio was becoming such a big thing that they were well, getting radio stations well, all the way from Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh and in the, the Midwest. Pittsburgh in the 20s is when they started coming into being the steel capital of the country. So. I can see them referencing Pittsburgh for that time period. Yeah. But but this makes... I mean, I don't know how much the script has changed from the World's Fair. And I can get, get, okay, Pittsburgh, New York. If this was a show out in California, then that doesn't make sense because it's too far out of the range. Mm-hmm. In Florida, it may or may not have been in the range, but even then, by 1975, we had radio. Oh yeah, no. I mean, what I'm saying is, yeah. in the 20s, we had these super stations, like, like I said, KMOX ranged from all the way from Denver to to Pennsylvania, and it was a, and was based out of St. Louis, so it had a such. And a they're powerful, referencing that the show takes place, Council of Progress takes place in St. Louis. I think it might. I think it might take place in like Missouri, because it, you know, Walt. Like but the Missouri. signal is coming from Pittsburgh. The news is coming from Pittsburgh. It's not coming from. Yeah. So, so if, when they moved it to California, it definitely didn't make sense. No, but what he's saying is basically they live in they live in like Missouri, and they're getting news all the way from yeah. Pittsburgh. I just don't get why Pittsburgh. I think it's just a testament to what radio was at the at the time. The but 20s like, radio. Why not New York? Because probably you probably you probably wouldn't probably be getting get. a signal from yeah. New York because of the buildings and the and the hills, the Appalachian Hills, the that would block the radio signal. No. I want to say Lewis is in that central, the Central Valley. Yeah. Why are they letting a 12-year-old pick out music? <laughs> because they had to give him something but, to do. But, 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 <laughs> but, I mean, even then, he's listening to the radio. I guess they just have, like, all wait, these wait, Mikey, players. Wait, Mikey, Mikey, you have a, you've had 12-year-olds. I know, and... What do you do with the 12-year-old? I don't let Here, him pick go out find the music. music. Which brings up logistics <laughs> of... Do they have the vinyl selection to accommodate the boys' interests? I, I would assume they would because they had vinyl back in the first section. Yeah, gramophone. Well, sure. Well, I, it wasn't yeah, vinyl. But, it was I those mean, cylinder music. But cylinder, I mean, it, yeah. it was. It's still the cylinders were still vinyl, weren't they? I don't know what they were. In, on a gramophone? Yeah, I think yeah. they were. 
I think they were vinyl. No, I'm, I know the technology exists. I'm like, we let him pick out the music, but he's listening to the radio, so they're going to have to find whatever song he decides to want to go with. Yeah. Well, I guess. speaking of the radio, the radio then announced that people have already started gathering downtown for the 4th of July. After hearing this, John told his daughter, Patricia, that she better hurry up and get ready. Patricia she, is sitting in a room on the right wearing a Statue of Liberty costume and tells her father that she hopes her new boyfriend doesn't see her in it and run away. And John makes a really funny joke of that she can always carry a torch for him. John's got terrible dad jokes. John's a bit of a chauvinist. <laughs> yes. But you know what? Good for him. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I Yes, I am not going to be responsible for that comment <laughs> if your wife hears yeah. that. Um, he goes on to tell his family that now has indoor plumbing, which is great for cold days, especially for Uncle Orville, their constant house guest. Orville is then shown sitting in a bathtub on the left side of the stage. John's informs his guest that he set up an air cooling system. It's basically a fan in front of a large block of ice. And while Orville sits in the bathtub, John tells guests that Orville has no job. Orville responds that he has no privacy around this place. At this time, Sarah tells John that it's time to go, and John concludes the scene by telling guests that with all the convenience they have, they really are on easy street, and he begins to sing There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow as guests move on to the next scene and set in the fabulous 40s. So the 1940s uh, roll around, and in, in the new scene, um, you finally get to see what looks like a more modern and traditional type of kitchen layout. It's still taking place in the kitchen. Uh, John's not straddling a chair this time. I've seen a couple different versions. <laughs> <laughs> I just like when you had to stop when you have to use that straddling. Yeah, I don't know why I found all that I can funny. Think about, I all I can think about is... Uh, is the Elizabeth Berkeley scene? Oh, with Gina Gershon. Yes. And uh, Twin Peaks. He's sitting behind a table now, right? In like a corner booth-looking thing. Yeah. Yes. Sure. He's got that gimmick well, tablecloth well, on it. This, this is usually well, when Adam's not... asleep, so he can't speak to this. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm out by this. <laughs> or the part. next one. I so I have never made it to this in a very long time. So no, but this is this is the this is the part in time when families actually put booths in yeah, their dinettes. kitchen. They called yeah. dinette sets. We had one. We had one in our kitchen, and when we lived in New York, still. We had a country version of it with you know the wood grain like carvings in the in the booth. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally had one. Well, I always had the vinyl and the, and the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. We had a vinyl one as well. Uh, so yeah, he's 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 hanging out in his uh, his diner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. One of the most striking things of this scene is actually all of the color because everything has been a little drab up until now. You've got the bright colored appliances that actually match the. I guess they would have been like porcelain coatings that were also put on the cabinets, and it happens to be a super bright sunshine yellow. Um, and, and, you know, he's no longer fanning himself with a paper fan. So, you know, he's got in-house uh, some type of, you know, air conditioning to get the cold air flowing through the house to go with his refrigerator that no longer uses blocks of ice 
and he's got his his cold sarsaparillas in there. Um, this has to this has to be something in like the late forties, like post obviously post war. Yeah, yeah, um, almost, almost late forties, early fifties. Well, and, and that would make sense because he, he goes on, he talks about what, what he calls a uh, thing he's on the radio. It's called the rat race. And, you know, he complains about how long his commute to work is because he's having to drive from, you know, his house into the city. So he's he's progressed into a, either he's living in a suburb or his farmhouse is now in a suburb of the actual city. Um, you know, if, if, it, if they'd ever changed homes, then they would have, you know... That's kind of odd when you think about that. If, they, if, if the house that they're in never changed, then they would have been living more toward, uh, you know, like like a farmhouse, and then the city blew up and they become a suburb, and he had to sell off his land. That's where he made his money as a warlord. For subdivisions. Right? Probably Uncle or- Orville. Uh <laughs> But, uh, you know, he, he goes on, he talks about all the appliances, and as he mentions them, fucking everything in the kitchen opens up and starts sliding out and, and running, and, you know, it just it, it just it goes full sixth sense. Um, uh, you, know. you know what, Mikey? Wingardium Leviosa. <sighs> Leviosa, Scott. Not Leviosa. Yeah, but this is when you have the the fun bling noise every time he says something, and it's like, and we have this, yes, and we have that, ding, and no. (laughs) So, not only are we doing magic still, but we have little noises to complement. Yeah, he's he's checking down the tick boxes, man, as as he as he mentions something, or he's got a faulty cooking timer, uh, an egg timer. but you know the the scene moves on. He talks about his love for the television, which they have now, and uh, he likes to watch his news programs of an evening and, and the variety shows, which you know is mostly fluff, uh, as he calls it. And, and that I think is probably just as true today when you're watching the news. It's mostly fluff, bunch of filler. Uh, yeah, you know you it shows the TV all fired up. And you see, uh, you see Grandma and Grandpa hanging out in the television room because back then you had a TV room. It wasn't a living room. It was a TV room. And they're, they're watching television, uh, and, and Grandma realizes that Grandpa has passed out of sleep, so she clicks it over and tunes in the boxing match, you know? And mm-hmm. she's, uh, she's really, you know, she's really rooting for Frazier, uh, it looks like. You know, she's you know, really wanting to, wanting to give it to him. So and so from the the boxing you have the other side of the stage light up in another smaller vignette and um, it's it, it shows it, Jimmy James Jake my boy he's unsupervised carving a pumpkin um, but you know what people didn't overreact like they do now I mean, I, I understand that, and you got to assume the boy has had some training with a knife uh, from the Boy Scouts. That's where I'm going with this, that he understands you you cut away from you and not towards you. Um, but, you know, I, I would let my kid carve it, but I, I don't know that I would be in a different room, you know, behind my, my dinette, talking to a bunch of strangers. Wow, uh, no, probably not. Probably not. Give him a left, you big a, uh, a board. 
And speaking of jabbing, <laughs> um, you know, he, he's doing that, and he's, he's, he's yelling at his dad about how, how good his pumpkin looks. And uh, he actually says that it looks about as good as his sister. Which, <laughs> you know, I just, I just don't under... I mean, man, maybe, maybe, maybe t- kids and jokes were different back in the 40s. Well, I, I, I think he's saying his pumpkin is scary. And no, because I would have said the same thing about my sister's Yeah. Yeah. I can picture myself saying about oh, the yeah. same thing. No, because you would make fun of your siblings all the time. Mm-hmm. There you go. Until folks. somebody was ended up crying and then getting in trouble for it. But, and then, yeah. and then there, and then you're, you know, then you're running around the house chasing them with like a baseball bat. Yeah, it's someone throws a hamburger. It, it's what they devolve into. Pretty much. <laughs> so, on the carousel of progress, the only constant is that kids are assholes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's what I'm getting from this. Walt hit that one on the head. <laughs> The ultimate pastime, kids being assholes. <laughs> yes. So after this, you get the weirdest, well, to me, one of the weirdest scenes. Uh, speaking of, you know, Jim, Jimmy's uh, sister, Patty, um, the vignette across where formerly you had grandma and grandpa hanging out and watching TV. Now it's replaced with Patty. And she's in there talking on the phone to one of her, one of her friends, and she's using... One of those ridiculous exercise machines where you wrapped the band around the back of your waist and turned it on, and it just kind of vibrated that band back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, uh, you know, I, I get John's joke when he pokes fun at it, and he's talking about how, you know, they, they got it down out of the attic. It was one of Grandma's exercise machines. They pulled it down from the attic, and they, you know, it didn't work back then, and it's not working now. So apparently he's, he's you know, accepting the fact that, uh, you know... Uh, his daughter is not going to change. She's always talking about boys. She's on the phone with one of her girlfriends talking about her boyfriend. And it's just creepy old John is, is perfectly content to just sit there and listen in to what's going on in her daughter's life. But, and, and his daughter's life, but not like in a, in a supportive way. You know, it's, it's, you know, what's funny about this is that Patty isn't really like talking up her boyfriend. She's kind of like, ah, I've settled for this guy and it's, he's just okay. She's a bit of a doorknob, I think, at this point. <laughs> she's it, it, it's just funny that she's like she's like, oh, I'm going to the dance with this guy and he's kind of dweeby, but I just remember the comment about the old jalopy. Yeah, yeah she's not right? Yeah, his old jalopy. It's just, you know, they took away the redhead, but we've still got Patty the the the, the floozy. The whore? Yeah, you said it, not me, Tim. Okay, it's the forties, so she'd probably be called a trollop. Yes. Hey, hey, Mikey, Mikey, can we get a magical meltdown? Show? I'm not. I'm not confirming nor denying, Scott. I'm just. We've got this happening, and her father's condoning it. I mean, the carousel of progress must be shut down. I don't know how much more progressive you can get than just your father pimping out the. So the final scene. Pimping out. Wait a second. How do you think he paid for all those fancy appliances? No Seriously, shit. the money has to come from somewhere. The, the final scene of the 40s has John telling us all about this new crazy trend in America called the do-it-yourself home improvement craze and how, with the help of his wife Sarah, 
And when I, and I say with with her help loosely because he's still sitting behind the kitchen counter. <laughs> um, they're turning their basement into a rumpus room. Well, we're caught up in the do-it-yourself craze these days. We're remodeling our basement in something called a, a rumpus room. And we're looking forward to a few rumpuses, I'll tell you, as long as they don't get out of hand. Which, ironically, I bet, I bet Patty would, uh, anyway. Patty, Patty. <laughs> <laughs> were, there, were there any upside-down pineapples in this rumpus room? I don't know. They're, I don't know. I, 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 I want to say I saw a bowl with keys in it. Yes. I don't know positive. exactly what a rumpus is. Well, let me let me tell you something. A rumpus. Is. I, I, it may involve seven minutes in heaven. I, I can't lie. My my um, grandparents all used to call their TV room. They had a spare bedroom, and that was their TV room. So that was in an apartment. Well, you've you've got. But I don't think they had much rumpuses. <laughs> oh, they had plenty of rumpi. <laughs> Sarah's trying to get the room ready for a rumpus. Um. <laughs> she's 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 there. It's another vignette, and it's taken the place of where Jimmy was learning how to carve up human flesh with a pumpkin. Sarah is now hanging wallpaper in this rumpus room, and um, I, I imagine she's doing hanging wallpaper sucks. And the worst part about it is when your husband tries to help. So he basically, you know, John mentions he's got this automatic paint stirrer, which. You don't usually. I mean, I guess you could prime a wall with wall sizing before you paper it to make it easier, but that's not really how hanging wallpaper is done. And Sarah mentions that really all it is is our kitchen mixer that you've repurposed for this. And like everything else in the house, if John mentions it, it decides to start operating on its own. It's fucking go go gadget paint mixer. And it starts stirring, and next thing you know, there is paint all over the walls, all over the rug, and there's a good bit of paint plastered all over Sarah's rumpus. Well, the scene ends with uh, with that mess taking place, and Sarah, finally sick of John's shit, says, Yeah, well, that's you and your progress. And... John mistakes her frustration with him and his progress for humor uh, and, and thinks she's just swell and that's just proof that at this point John is no longer on gin he's just whiskey drunk and doesn't doesn't know what's <laughs> happening anymore and, and and from there you move a lot on the timeline don't you oh yes oh yes so as as the uh as the world turns, these are the days of our lives. As the scene turns, uh, the great, big, beautiful tomorrow plays like sands <laughs> right. through the hourglass. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this time, we move from the forties slash fifties to the twenty-first century. And unlike previous scenes, the Christmas scene begins with the whole family in one room because you know the open concept. You know, that's a thing now. Um, they all, they're all seeing Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow as the guest end of the scene. John is standing on the right working on Christmas dinner, you know, because finally it's the 21st century and the man is in the kitchen and not Sarah. Um, Rover is once again in the kitchen, but now he's another different color. He's more of a chestnut brown. Jim and his grandmother are playing a virtual reality game, uh, which looks like Virtual Boy. I mean, this thing is clunky. It is big. It is, uh, it is by no means the video game system of the future. Well, 
I'm, I just want to stop there for one quick second because mm. it does kind of look like some of the virtual reality headgear that we have. Virtual Boy used to be there, but they took it out. Yes. But this looks like, if you look at some of like the PlayStation setup, it's very similar. Except theirs is more advanced because their headset actually closes over their eyes. Automatically, too. Or John or John does it himself. You know, wizard powers. Ours don't do that. Oh, no. no, John's doing it. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't, John, isn't she wearing like, some kind of glove, like the old Virtual Boy glove still? Oh, do you guys remember the power glove? That's yeah. what it is. It yes. wasn't it the Virtual Boy. It was the power, the power glove. I have, I've seen the wizard with the Fred Savage. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Best movie ever. With, with the Fred Savage? It's got the Fred Savage and well, the Bo Bridges. Well, there is only one Fred Savage. It's got the Bo Bridges in it <laughs> as the dad. Yes, it does. Yes. And the and random eighties cl- redhead girl because every eighties movie had random redheaded girl in it. Karate well, yes. Kid, most definitely. Most definitely. Anna Green Gables. Yeah. Granted, I mean she was written yeah. as a ginger, but still. I think was that we, the same actress? Oh. Little Did monsters? we talk about that uh, on the Canadian podcast? Yeah, we did. We did. Little Monsters, again um, with the Fred Savage and the Howie Mandel and the Ben Savage. Yes. But random awesome redheaded girl. Uh, but as you know, as, as we get on the scene, Jim and his grandma are playing this virtual reality game. Trish and her grandfather are sitting around the Christmas tree. Now, Sarah is off in the corner. She's at her computer because she's working. But she tells John that she has now programmed the oven to recognize his voice. You know, because this is a modern day oven. It's got Siri. And Siri can now respond to John's uh, voice automation. Um, and, you know, the grandfather's like, well, that's, you know, that's that's horse cockery. And then he tells the refrigerator to get himself a, get him a root beer. And Sarah responds to the joke saying, well, they can't do that. They can't hover a root beer, but John probably could with his magic powers. Um, she can brighten the tree lights. And so er, so then she, she activates the tree lights, makes them 30% brighter. And John tries out the voice-activated oven, which he does with no problem. John, the oven should respond to your voice commands now. Give it a try. Oh, okay. Here goes. Temperature to 375. Temperature increase to 375. Uh, as the oven confirms John's temperature command, Trish then says, well, the even the oven even talks back to you now. And uh, so John's like, yeah, sure, like the rest of you fuckers. But then he, she proceeds to, along with everybody else, make fun of John for burning last year's turkey because apparently John ruins Christmas dinner every year. Which... I don't know if, if if anyone's been at a holiday feast where uh, where food gets ruined. I don't think you're going to be happy about that, and you're not going to laugh and joke about it. Someone's probably getting a fork in their in their thigh. Yeah, I don't understand this part at all, because this doesn't ever ever go right when somebody hasn't eaten all day and goes to the family house for dinner. Ever. Yeah. Somebody's throwing a plate. Somebody's getting angry, and we're all hangry. Yeah, exactly. And then a squirrel comes out of your Christmas tree, and it's a bad deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah or, right? Or you have an aunt who actually cooks her glasses with the turkey, which actually happened <laughs> in my house. <laughs> so, you know, things happen. This but, stuff yeah, is we weren't happy then crunchy. either. Well, yeah, we had the fire department called. It, it was a scene. 
Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As at this point, Grandma, who's now playing the uh, virtual reality game, is uh, is up to 550 points. John is very impressed with that, and he repeats the score. And Siri increases the temperature to 550 degrees. Nobody notices the giant voice in the room saying, Temperature increase to 550 degrees. How Siri annoys me when she fucking speaks to me. I don't she understand does. how nobody notices this. Exactly. But also, whose oven gets up that high? I mean, I think mine goes up to like 500. It's an oven of the future. Ah, uh, that's true. Um, but as we go on, the grandfather then talks about all the gadgets that the kids have today and you know the grandfather tells them that they well you know one day we didn't even have a house phone which is really sad because um you know last week uh trenton and i (laughs) ethan and i (laughs) were reading a story oh yeah and wait wait, did you just call me (laughs) yeah that happened that happened adam From now Trenton's on, he gets son. to call Trenton Sonny. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> he doesn't hear um, Sonny. <laughs> doesn't hear Sonny Beard. Ethan and I were reading, were reading a story which involved a person on a landline which had a cord, and he, had, he was absolutely just bemused by the fact that the phone had a cord. He could not accept the fact that the phone had a cord. And I, was, I just felt really, really, really old. Because remember when you didn't like remember the day you got to a second phone line and how awesome that was. Um, we had to get a second phone line for AOL. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I remember how yeah. awesome it was because so. the parents quit complaining every time they had to make a phone call. They get that. Yep. And then I didn't get kicked off line while I was trying to download a Cindy Crawford JPEG for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so uh, the grandfather and Trish start talking about all the modern-day marvels, laser discs, and high-definition televisions. Uh, but this is now kind of a running joke where um, the only thing they need is automated plumbing, and that leads to Uncle Orville, who's off stage once again, to remark to no privacy at all around this place. Well, including that. No privacy at all around this place. Uh, this, so this, the scene shifts back to the grandmother. She's about ready to beat Jim's score at or 975. And then John is so amazed by this, he repeats the number and the oven instantaneously overheats and begins to smoke. So the oven goes from 975 like instantaneously and smoke ensues because everybody's oven preheats in a matter of nanoseconds. Well. Apparently, they installed a crematorium in their kitchen. (laughs) Apparently. That's exactly it. (laughs) That's what keeps happening to Rover. (laughs) (laughs) Now everyone's going to think that I hate dogs again. Jesus Christ. No, they just think that you cook them for pleasure. Or make them (laughs) battle each other for pleasure. They were battling an alien. So as the oven uh, overheats, John jokes that maybe in the next century... Oven, ovens will learn to read his mind and that someday everything will be automated and John will never have to cook again. So at the prospect of this, Rover barks leading the family to laugh and sing It's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow for one final time, which you come back to the unloading area, which is also the same as the loading area, where you exit the show. 
and that's where that's where the carousel of progress as we know it ends you leave the theater there is no upper deck because that is the uh as we talked about earlier the tomorrowland transit authority now there are some fun facts trivia things you don't you may not know about the carousel of progress and this is where you're going to get your dhd so you can tell all your friends how smart you are um couple things the bulletin board in the final scene there are pictures other personal artifacts those are put there by cast members and they're changed on a regular basis uh, cast members will put up photos of themselves of their children of things that are going on and they'll, they'll stick those up on the bulletin board it's much like the uh the dry erase board in uh dinosaur which gets changed on a regular basis there are a number of hidden mickeys and hidden things inside uh inside the final scene in the christmas scene there are four different hidden Mickeys here. I'd like you to go and find them yourselves. Uh, so if you if you do skip forward, uh, skip forward. Or if you do want to find those yourself, if you want if you want to find out all about those hidden Mickeys, uh, send us an email at uh, Mikey. What is that email? Three the number three, three sheets to the mouse at gmail.com. Otherwise, go find them, snap a photo or two of them, and post them in the group. Just no flash. Yeah, no Are flash. You flash. Yeah, no, uh, no, no flash, no flash. But you can get away. The the lighting's good enough in there that you can get away without a flash. Um, but there is one I do want to mention, and that's in the in the Christmas scene. There is a Red Rider BB gun in in that that scene, which is a really cool nod to Gene Shepard, who's the narrator of this and a Christmas story. Um. A couple of other fun Disney uh, past Disney history things. In the fabulous 40s, you look out the window of the kitchen, you'll see a sign that says Herb Ryman, attorney at law. Herb Ryman was one of the uh, one of the original Imagineers that helped Walt design the original concept for Disneyland. Uh, he was one of the um, the original architects, the original engineers that designed the actual layout for Disneyland, and he helped sell that to uh, to the bankers. And um, this is going to blow your mind, guys. But he helped sell it to NBC. NBC was a big backer of Disneyland, which is weird because now we assume, like, we assume Disney and ABC because they're companies that are all under the same umbrella. But NBC was the real um, driving force behind uh, behind getting Disneyland built. Herb Ryman created this poster for the Carousel of Progress. He actually wrote his own name on there as attorney at law. Uh, when when they when they did this in the uh, World's Fair version, and it's been kept there ever since. So uh, very very cool nod. But also another former uh, Walt Disney Imagineer. In the Christmas scene, you'll see the again the bulletin board over by uh, Mother uh, Sarah, and it says um, on there there's a note that says Marty called once changed, and that is a nod to the late great Marty Sklar, the former head of WDI when Carousel Progress got its last major show refurbishment. Uh, it's a really cool, really cool scene. Uh, a really cool nod to an amazing Imagineer. Um, last, I will say this. Uh, Tim talked about the the Robins in uh, in the first act in, in, 19, in the 1900 scene. There are two Robins that can be seen outside the windows. Those are the exact same Robins that were featured in the movie Mary Poppins. And they were created by Imagineer Harriet Burns for the musical, for the movie. And it's a really cool nod to 
former, um, you know, former Imagineer Harry Burns, but also Walt himself, who loved Mary Poppins. But also, those trips of the Robins uh, were done by none other than Clarence Nash, the official voice of Donald Duck. Multi-species, very talented. Multi, yes, he is. He is very foul. <laughs> he's not just foul mouthed. Oh, he's Jesus. also a bit avian. <laughs> Uh, oh very foul, gosh. very foul. Um, lots From of birds of a feather. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, lots of fun things at, at Carousel, Carousel of Progress. Um, also, the uh, if you go into Haunted Mansion at Disney World, there's a person sitting on a rocking chair in the ballroom scene. That is the same audio animatronic skin as the grandmother in uh, the 1900s version. When she's watching the, uh, when she's listening to the radio and the boxing comes on. Or is that 40s? It's 40s. 40s. When she's in the 40s section. Uh, very cool. Very cool. And also there's a picture of Walt Disney in, in the carousel. So if you find it, let us know where you see it. So, as we come to the end of the Carousel of Progress, it's a wonderful show. The longest running and most attended stage show in American history, technically. I have an issue with this. <laughs> I know, I know. I know. <laughs> I just, I get that it's a stage show. Technically, there are no actors in a stage show. I can't compare this to a Broadway stage show, and that's just... No, I get that. I get it. It is what it is. What's the future like for this? Like, what... Uh, Tim, what do you see happening with this? I, I want to say it's going to stick around, but I think it's leaving. I don't see it, especially with the whole adding of the Tron coaster and them kind of refurbishing Tomorrowland. I think it's going to go away. I don't want it to, but I think it's going to go away. I would love to see it stay around, but you're right. I mean, you know, even Walt, I think, would say that it's time to let it go because he never wanted things to be a museum. Yeah. He wanted Disneyland to constantly stay moving. And conversely, you could apply that to Disney World. Yes. Never be finished. It'll always change. What about you, uh, Adam? It's gone in the next couple of years. It doesn't fit with the theming. I think it stays around it's for... It's not an easy, easyable, easy change to make it current. And if they don't do something soon, the building itself is just going to collapse. Because <laughs> the last time we went on it, we can count the ceiling tiles that had water stains. What is it? There was even one missing. I mean, it's just, it's not a very well-cared-for attraction anymore, and I, I, it served its purpose. And it was never meant to be a museum. Walt wouldn't have wanted it to no. be there, I don't think, for no, this I don't, long. No, I don't and think he would it's time for it to move on. I get that it's a throwback to Walt, but unless people actually start showing a true interest, they're, they're, Walt's pretty much erased from this park at this point. And almost all the parks at this point, when you really look at it. The only thing left would really be Tiki Room. Tiki Room, you have the um, the light and the candle in Disneyland. I would, I, I would, I would say that that uh, Carousel stays around for the fiftieth. I don't think it. I, I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Like as in the next three. Years. And I think that's just for the, that's just a money issue. Yeah. Money. I think it's a people eater. I think it's people... The more attractions they have open, the less they have to change in that three-year time frame. Yes. The better off they're going to be. Yeah. So it's not going anywhere soon, but... I mean, at one point, this was a seasonal opening. 
I, I mean, truth be told, uh, so here, here are my thoughts on this. There's so much more that needs fixing in, in Magic Kingdom than replacing Carousel of Progress. And I'm talking even in the same land and Stitch has to be changed. Or but something. It's not going something anywhere. has to be there. There's not enough time for the fiftieth to have that change. No, I. The, and that's why these attractions at this point are getting reprieve, in my opinion. Yeah. No. Because there's there's enough. Um, Wreck It Ralph is coming out too late for that rumor to be true. Absolutely. So, both of those attractions will be running around the fiftieth just to absorb some of the traffic. Yes. So, I don't see any of these going anywhere anytime soon, but a year after, once the traffic dies down, or when the 50th celebration actually ends, I think you'll see a whole bunch of closures in Future World, I think. I think they'll run the 50th celebration for 18 to 24 months. I agree. And then after but, that, you're right, we'll see Stitch. Stitch will reopen on a regular basis during the 50th. Yep. It'll stay open through the 24 months of the 50th. And that's when you'll see these things reclose again. And we'll start to see kind of the next the next remodel that comes through. I wouldn't be surprised if we do not see an incredible something go into the future world at this point. I can see that. A permanent future world I can, install at this point. I could see Tomorrowland having some uh, Incredibles tie-in. After how successful the movie is, which is awesome, by the way. Incredibles 2 did. 90-something percent score on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. It beat out Solo. It's beating out Jurassic World at this point. They'll be stupid if they don't. And I think that's going to kind of disrupt the rumors that we're hearing about um, Wreck-It Ralph. Tim, Tim, what about you? Thinking back to The Incredibles and how... The Incredibles really takes place in like almost like a 50s or 60s setting. Yeah. Would you like to see what they did with uh, Hollywood Studios and, and the Hollywood that never was and transform Tomorrowland into the Tomorrowland that never was and have this like, you know, retro future thing go on? I think so. I mean, and it wouldn't be that much of a, a stretch to do it with what they have now. Well, because the, the architecture kind of lends to the it. The architecture, yeah. The architecture kind of lends itself to that mid-century modern... What mid-century modern's idea of the future was. I mean, you even think about the colors that they're currently using with the purples and blues. like the metallic yeah. rocks and the yeah. blues. The turquoise It's all kind of... Yeah. It's all kind of leaning towards that theme, in my opinion. And I can see that an easier transition than Wreck-It Ralph. I mean, we'll have to do a full yeah. DHD of Tomorrowland at some point, but... Yeah. I really do. I really do like the idea of a retro, the future that never was, and and that's how you get past that constantly having to upgrade Tomorrowland to be the future. When you could just say, "Here's what you know. Here's what we thought the future was in the '60s," and trust me, Instagrammy people would love a retro theme. Well, forget about the Instagrammy people, but you're also looking at the Dapper Days people. Yes. At that point. Oh my God. I mean, you're looking at this this earlier times thing that we're losing from Hollywood Studios at this point. Give me Meet the Robinsons. That, yeah. But that would fit there. Exactly. 
I mean, where else would that fit but in this retro 50s area? Now, the only thing that throws this out of sync at this point is Tron. Yes. Yes, but but you could you could kind of make that retro and say, well, Tron was set in the 80s, so it would be retro-ish. It's retro-ish. It depends on what it actually looks like. Now, yeah. what, what, what if completed. the land kind of flowed a little bit from, like, the 50s future and then kind of ended up in, like, the 80s future, kind of? Like, as you walk I think we have it. a podcast building. Do, I think we have another show. I know. Yeah, I think we do. I mean, <laughs> damn it, Scott, we can't get off topic. You can't do this. I know. This is, this is how he gives you podcast ideas. He asks these questions. <laughs> I, I think what we'll have to do is I think we'll have to come back and reimagineer uh, Tomorrowland at some point. Most definitely. Yeah, that'll piss off so, masses. So I, Everyone. So we, we First thing to go is that thoughts. fucking purple wall. Yeah. <laughs> we, welcome, we welcome your thoughts on Carousel of Progress. So... Uh, when we release the show, you'll see the, you'll see the actual share of the show in the group. Go over to www.facebook.com/group/three-sheets and uh, give us your thoughts on Carousel Progress. Um, it's a wonderful show, in my opinion. I love it. I will miss it when it's gone, and I say when because I think there is a matter of time that this does have. So, uh, Mikey, Scott. Over at Magical Meltdown, we had a recent uh, uh, flourish of some new shirts. Yeah, we have uh, Rivera Tequila from Coco. I, I really like that. I shirt. like it too. <laughs> Which I think it's a must. Yeah, and watching it, he—I mean, it, he, he has some tequila during the cartoon there when he sends his buddy off mm-hmm. to the Forgotten Realm twice. Yeah. Twice. Yeah, it's uh, it was cool. I got that idea after my kid watched it, and I watched it with him, and I was like, "Huh, they drink booze. This is a great idea for a shirt." Sydney, I got my eye on you. You're my tequila girl. <laughs> I, so you know, I watched it yesterday with with Ethan, and I still cry. But it's not sad tears. It's almost like happy tears. It's you. Like I said, on a scale from Toy Story three. To like Incredibles two because I didn't cry at all during Incredibles two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a five. It's in between the two. It wasn't awful. I could sit through it, but Toy Story three was a hot mess. So. You, you, you don't. Well, that's really... because it plays on the toys aspect of your of your childhood. No, I'm just saying tears wise, though emotion wise. Yeah. Coco gets you, but it's not until like the very end, and you know it's coming, and yes. you know it's coming, and you know, like like they don't. There's no plot twist, okay? If you're an adult, no. you know exactly what's happening and why it's happening. And emotionally, you've never been so sad and so happy to see people die in your life. Yes. All at the same time. I give yeah. you that. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, so, it, yeah, it's, it, especially as, as an Anglo, uh, it, it's just like crazy uh, learning about the, the, the culture and the beliefs and, and this and that and how beautiful it all is. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm uh, totally bastardizing it and trying to make money off of it. By the way, um, <laughs> I will say I I got that in orange. It looks great in orange. I haven't ordered it yet. It's coming. It'll be for November. Oh, it's October. It's, excuse me. It's on its way here. That's that's. It's awesome. really good. That's awesome. Yeah, I, Scott. I had that, and then I released my really kind of uh, minimalistic take on Peter Pan and uh, Young Gamora from 
that little movie called uh, Avengers Infinity War. Mikey, I'm going to put in a request. Because I haven't seen a Meg shirt. <laughs> Megora. Pinups! I want a pinup Meg. I've, I've got other ideas for pinups, though, after Scott said he wanted one. So I've, you know. I don't ask for us. All I have is festicles. <laughs> And I'm the only motherfucker that owns festicles. I'll have you know that. All right. <laughs> and I wore it but in that's front what of the, saying. the feminine hygiene. I need something a little Walmart. more. I need something a little more popular. Yeah. And I've gotten a whole bunch of people watching Hercules. So you know what? Triton got his get fuzzy. I want a Meg shirt. Mikey, Mikey, I now officially own all of the pinups. Hashtag <laughs> guys, look, you made get fuzzy happen. Hashtag we want our pinups. We we wants the pinups. hashtag Meg, Megra. Yeah. So Meg, give yes, me. There's Meg a prize a for rotten judgment. Pinup. Come on. Oh oh, Mikey. Mikey. Oh 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 oh, like like fucking Tootie from Car Fifty Four. Where are you? Ooh, no, ooh. no. No one gets that. So I've I I've do. been perusing the interwebs. Uh, in you know because Incredibles Two came out, and uh. the internet is going wild for Elastigirl. Of course they are. Uh, no, give me my Meg shirt. Yeah, I want Meg too. I want Meg. <laughs> no one, nobody ever wants Kronk. <laughs> give me Meg. Kronk, uh, squeakity, squeak, squeak, squeakers. And, um, but yeah, go over to www.themagicalmeltdown.com. Go check out the shirt designs. Go check out the glassware. Plenty of great stuff. If you're not drinking your whiskey out of a three sheets can glass, you're not living. You're drinking it wrong. No. If you want to drink it out of a stemless wine glass, there's a chillin' like a villain wine glass that may or may not be an awesome seller. I want this shape, but I don't know what we would call this. (laughs) A a bougie beer glass. It's a bougie beer glass. Bougie beer glass. I like bougie beer glasses. This is my new thing. Bougie beer glasses is a thing. I do have some new products coming to the uh, to the website this week. Definitely go over to www.themagicalmeltdown.com. Uh, glassware, t-shirts, stickers, uh, flasks, coasters, koozies, cases, coffee mugs, and you know what? Kudos to uh, three sheets to the nation. No, God, I sound like someone who calls the hotline. Kudos to Three, <laughs> Se- Three Sheets Nation uh, member uh, Ivis Suarez for being on the Magical Meltdown at Tee Public and finding the mystery shirt that I didn't tell anybody I released, and then she saw it, and, and, and then she shared it in the group. So, at a girl. Also, at this time, um, we want to talk a little about it. Obviously, you've heard a couple of the quickies that we've released this week. We've talked about the Three Sheets uh, three sheets to the Top of the World fundraiser. Um, go over to uh, www.gktw.com. That's where you'll find the best place to, uh, or the only place, to enter this Three Sheets giveaway. Adam, you and Tim and Trenton did a quickie on it. What exactly is our give give uh, give kids the world giveaway here? 
Well, for the first giveaway, we're going to actually have an exclusive meetup with us at the Top of the World Lounge for our bourbon tasting. You know how we all love our bourbon? We, Tim and I have actually done this event already. And this will be the Tuesday the 6th, possibly. I might be screwing up the date. At about 4.30 p.m., we're going to meet downstairs. We're actually going to meet in the lobby of... Bay Lake Tower. Bay Lake Tower. At about a quarter after four, we're going to get escorted upstairs. And we're going to have an awesome bourbon tasting with some little plates, I guess you would call it. Tapas. And well, no, it's not really tapas. tapas. They're, they're like accoutrements. They're little small. Uh, accoutrements. Okay, we've gone from <laughs> Spanish to French. <laughs> um, what is it called? What is the little mouth? What Hors d'oeuvres. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Uh, no, bouche a moose bouche. There you go. It's more of those size. Some alcohol, some private one-on-one time. The I think it's limited to about 20 or 24 people. And we already have about, what is it, 12 of those seats taken tickets. up? Yeah. This is this is akin to what you'll do at the Disney Cruise. They are very limited. You will get to know everyone there. But the best part of all is that Mikey, Adam, Tim, and Trenton, along with some other special sheeters, will be there and they will join you at the Top of the World Lounge for this amazing bourbon tasting. Now, the only way to enter is to go over to, like I said, www.gktw.com, and that's where you'll find the donate link. Donate what you can. We're not asking for a certain amount, but if you want to win, you must donate at least $20 per entry, okay? So we are asking well, for a certain, a certain amount. Is $20. <laughs> a minimum. I mean, you can donate twenty dollars. There's a minimum of twenty if you want. Yes, but that's just. One but you entry. won't get entered into the contest for seventy-five for two dollars a day. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can send Trenton on a cruise in October. That's right, oh, Sally Struthers. <laughs> and cue, cue the Sarah McLaughlin music. Yes, I was about to say that. <laughs> Give us the redhead. But for $20 per entry, and for every $20, you get one entry into this random giveaway. Uh, You will be entered to win this awesome prize package. So, that's not the only way to win. There's a second way to win, and that is uh, through a second prize package, prize package number two. And, Adam, tell them what's behind door number two. But you can still win an awesome three sheets package. Uh, Glassware, stickers, barware. And a few personal touches from the Three Sheets host. We're going to put together two awesome prize packages for you to win if you cannot be there in November. So, again, there are, there are two awesome ways to win. This one is only $10 per entry. So, if you want to donate to uh, Give Kids the World and you want to donate 100 bucks, great. Just let us know how much you want to allocate to each prize entry. So... Uh, forty dollars, you know, forty dollars gets you two entries to the other one, and then the other sixty dollars gets you entries into it gets you six entries into the second prize package. Um, we 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 just want to do a good thing to, for Give Kids the World because Mikey, as we talked about on our quickie, Give Kids the World is an amazing charity that brings terminally ill and sick children to Orlando, puts them up at a beautiful resort and. And what? It's, I mean, it. the resort is basically a, a playland for kids. Uh, they work hand-in-hand hand with Make-A-Wish. They're basically 
They're basically the liaison between Make-A-Wish and Disney, but they let the kids go uh, to other, you know, um, experiences in Orlando besides just Disney World, and they make sure they've got a fully trained medical staff on site at the Give Kids the World uh, resort. Um, it every week because it, it's all done by week. Whenever Make-A-Wish grants the week grants a wish. But every week they have a Christmas. Every week they have some type of an Independence Day. And every week they have a birthday type celebration down there. So it's, 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 it's really made as special as possible for every kid that, uh, that, that gets a chance to stay there. Um, it, it really is amazing. And they can't do it. it, it it's volunteer ran. And to be quite honest... If you want to step it up a notch, you can get in touch with them and you can volunteer a portion of your Disney trip down there to hang out at Give Kids the World and help them out if they need it. If you want to enter these two contests, this is how you do it. So go over, like we said, go over to www.gktw.com. That's where you'll find the link to donate now. Help. That's where you can donate and donate as much as you want. Fill it out. Uh, fill out your your payment information and once you get your payment confirmation screenshot it take a photo of it whatever you got to do just do some sort of documentation so that you can then email that to us at mikey what's the email address it is three sheets to the mouse at gmail.com it's the number three don't try spelling it out yep just the number three save a keystroke three sheets to the mouse at gmail.com. If you're listening to this podcast, it's already on your screen. If you're in the Facebook group, it's at the top of the screen somewhere. Three sheets yes. the mouse at gmail.com. And what you're going to do is you're going to put in the subject line the prize package you want to enter. Package number one, package number two. You're going you're to attach your screenshot. You're going to give us your name, your information, so that we can enter you into this contest. And... We'd love to see a couple of sheeters at this meetup at the Top of the World Lounge. But also, these are going to be some really cool prize packages where you can join us every week while you listen to the show, drinking your drinks out of Disney barware, um, having some just some great three-sheet stuff. So uh, go over there. It's the least we can offer. We've done a couple of, a couple of fundraisers. Uh, we just want to give you some stuff while making you feel better for getting stuff. That's really what we want to do. I believe you promised them that uh, personal touches. Yes. Well, we'll so, you know, we'll surprise I mean, is that, you. Is that, is that like a fondle touches. or a good game? Um, I'll tweak somebody's name. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, you might I'm cheap. Maybe you'll get Ten a, bucks is, 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 is the going rate to get personally touched by me. Maybe you'll get a I'm jar. Expensive. Maybe you'll get a half. <laughs> maybe you'll get a half-used jar of Suavecito. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> but are you going to personally apply it? I'll personally apply those personal touches. Well, um, Josh Wozni just blew his bank account signing up on that one. <laughs> He's my hair buddy. Um, but yeah, go over there. www.gktw Dot com. That's givekidstheworld.com. All right, so as we finish up tonight, um, Tim, give me some closing remarks. You're just talking talking about this fundraiser. We've This is, what, the third one yep. we've done since we started doing this, and every time we do one, you guys come through and are absolutely amazing. 
with raising money for whatever charity we pick, and I don't want it to stop. So raise as much money as you can. Don't stop it at 20 bucks. You know, just keep going. Beg your friends, beg your coworkers, beg your family. Let's just help some kids and uh, make some memories for some kids that, that need it. I mean, look, I'll, I'll, I'm going to give you a little tip. If you want to raise all the money and collect it from your office and say, hey, I want to donate to Give Kids the World, and then you take the credit for it, I'm okay with that. Little pro tip there. Collect it from your office. You can be just as shady as us. (laughs) (laughs) Collect it from your office, and then you get the rewards for it. I don't care. We We just want to do enough for Give Kids the World. It's a great charity. It's a wonderful charity. And this this prize pack is just a bonus that we think we can offer you, and hopefully you'll like it. That you you wanna you wanna help out. So Tim, do you want to say good night? Good night. I'm done. I've been done two hours ago. I should have been in bed two hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, give me some closure remarks. We got some sheet ups coming up. We have a lot of sheet-ups coming up. We have the October Cruise, which is located on the page. We also have our November Big Sheet-Up. We've actually had some cancellations, so people are jumping on some of those reservations at that point. You want to be on... I am. I have created a secondary post on the event page for the waitlist. The sooner you post, if you find out that's something that you want to do, let me know. We'll post you on the waitlist. If somebody else canceled, we might be able to squeeze you in there. That being said, I want to take some time out to appreciate everybody I've actually spoken to in the past couple weeks. It's been a stressful month for, I think, everybody here. And there's just been a whole bunch of bullshit going on. And a lot of you have kept me sane. And I'm a very private, like, individual person. I'm socially awkward when you meet me. And you guys have all made me super comfortable where I can actually have a conversation with you. So I truly appreciate it. You're helping me work through some of my own mental bullshit that I don't have. And I thank you guys for everything that you do. Besides that, we, we might give you the show, but you guys do a lot more for us than you ever can realize. And I just want to thank you and appreciate you all for that. Yeah, no, it, you know what? We've had people delete their Facebook and create a new account just to be part of Three Sheets. So... For that, we really applaud you. I mean, you guys are the Three Sheets Nation. It's not us. We're Three Sheets the Mouse. You guys are Three Sheets Nation. So thank you. You're right, Adam. Wonderful sentiment. Mikey. I follow that shit. Follow that shit. Um, I had I had very uh, well thought out things to say, and now they've they've fallen by the wayside. Uh, I did want to mention though that. Um, this 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 entire episode being about carousel of progress and how just because things on that ride are out of date or they're struggling from a technological standpoint maybe don't be so quick to get rid of it because this whole episode has struggled from a technological standpoint for two weeks and if 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 this was if <laughs> Walt would have cut this shit <laughs> a long time ago uh, but you know, I'm I'm very uh, I'm happy that we're doing uh, another fundraiser, and I'm I want to say if you're trying to get your coworkers to donate, uh, and they're like, "What's it for?" Don't be afraid to mention the podcast and tell them because you'd be surprised how many people don't realize that there's grown up stuff to do at Disney World. So, 
this could be you, you know, yeah. educating them a little bit and dropping some knowledge bombs on them. And they're like, oh, I just thought it was uh, Dumbo yeah. and Dory. You're like, no, no, no. It's 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 booze, and uh, it's uh, mostly booze. Booze and good food. It's booze, good food, and good times. And and yeah, so <laughs> and then more booze. Uh, you know, don't don't feel ashamed to whore us out to to help you know kids uh, get down to to Disney World. No, it and and it's true. We in fact. Um, I want to mention a new member we had. Uh, I put on a bar association golf outing every year, and Ashley Bussong just joined our Facebook group. Uh, she helps put put that on as well. She's a she's the wife of a fellow lawyer that's my co-chair. And you know what? Share the show because you never know who else is a Disney fanatic like you. She's running in the Princess. Um, and then uh, another race, I want to say in oh in April in the dark side, she's running a couple of a uh, couple of races coming up here in the in the not so distant future. Um, so share the show. That's really fun. I just want to steal it back real quick. There is a small group of us who are actually running the dark side right now. Um, signups are for early enrollment, August twenty third. Yes. So, um, if you guys are running, we do have a running group. Um, it is three sheets to the finish line. Look us up. It is the sister page, and we are all kind of supporting each other. bunch of us are... That's how this November meetup got started, is a bunch of us are running the wine and dine. So, more events are coming up for that as well. I just don't have times yet because I've been kind of lazy and it's been a sucky month. That's okay. There's still so, there's still plenty of time before August comes around. Yes. But yes, August 23rd will be Dark Side if you are looking to sign up for that. Also, the virtual Star Wars running race, the light side, because they are not doing it in Disneyland. If you want to get that Kessel run without having to travel to California, now's the time to do it. I might, I might even do that and I don't even run. Wait, what? You're going to do the half? No, no, the uh, the Kessel Run thing. The Kessel Run is a half. You have to do two yeah. half marathons to get the Kessel Run. Oh, fuck that. Never mind. It's, it's, it's a virtual run. It, uh, in order to get the Kessel Run this year, and I think it was the last year as well, you have to... The first half is going to be a virtual run. Oh, fuck that. The second half is the April half marathon. Oh, fuck that. that. No, never. Never mind. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I lied. I like, I like the world is ending. Scott is. I thought it was like five Ks that you could like do. No, 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 no. You can do the virtual run in multiple steps. You don't have to do it all in one fall swoop. But to, in order to get it, you actually have to complete oh, the see, half, dark side half. See, then I could do I could do my my Kessel run in six parsecs. Because <laughs> I'm not doing the other six. Uh, but. We want to thank you all for joining us this week on Three Sheets of Mouse. If you enjoyed the show, go over to iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. Best way to help everybody like you find the show. Really, um, the reason that we can continue to do fun things like the November Sheet Up, like this new giveaway, is that we have more people involved. We have more fun. Um, and that's the only way to get for us to get bigger is to help others like you find the show. Uh, we're sitting at, what, 940-something members, Tim? Yeah, I think nine forty-eight. I think somewhere in there. So we we want to get to a thousand. That's the goal. Get to a thousand, and then beyond that, or to to infinity and beyond. beyond. I guess. 
which is I mean, that's a thousand beyond yeah <laughs> but go over there uh, go over to iTunes rate review subscribe but also go over to the Facebook group facebook.com slash group slash three sheets we're also on Instagram and Twitter at three sheets podcast that's the number three at three sheets podcast if you're in the parks tag us on your Instagram don't forget to use the hashtag three sheets nation uh, get fuzzy come hang out with us over at, at facebook.com slash group slash three sheets if you have friends that love Disney as much as you do, invite them to become part of Three Sheets Nation. But because we have so many members waiting in the queue, invited by other members, make sure you tell them to what, Mikey? Answer the Goram questions. There's only three of them. They're very simple because it's, it's, it's your personal opinion. So just answer the questions. We'll let you in. Answer the questions. But definitely go over there. Facebook.com slash group slash three sheets. Join the join the Facebook group. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, I want to see as many members as we have. Every single one of you downloading the show each week. Subscribe. That's the best way it gets pushed right to your phone. You never have to wait for it. You never have to know when we're going to release a quickie that's two and a half hours or a show that's five hours. Um, but as my voice is giving out tonight, and I'm sorry, um, it's just one of those things when you have a, a kid that gets croup, you get laryngitis. But in you know, for you guys, I push through. You don't have to apologize for your weak stamina, Scott. I no, I have stamina, man. I've got stamina. I'm here for the long haul. From all of us here at Three Sheets of the Mouse, thank you for making our show part of your Disney life. Thank you for your time this time, and until next time, so long for just a while.